7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. And a very good evening and uh, welcome to the show. I am uh, Tabiso Musiali. Olom Kalipi is the producer and Babalom Duma is in technical with us tonight. And this evening we are talking all things Deben July. We're going to talk uh, horse racing. Uh, we're going to take a, a closer look at the field for Saturday's main race at, Galv- at Greville. And an expert will help us dissect this field. And it also gives us an opportunity to look at the state of horse racing and horse racing betting in the country. There have been suggestions that horse racing and horse racing and horse racing betting in particular has been overtaken by sports betting and is not as popular as before you'll remember back in the day our uncles our fathers would take the paper the whole day look at the paper the whole day make their way to the totes to place a few bets and it was a regular thing but have people moved on now in 2018 so i will speak to an expert just to understand if this is fact or fiction we'll also look at the business side of the deben july the vodacom deben july rather with many flocking to deben this weekend for mostly the festivities i know many people that i know personally when they come back from the deben july they don't even know who won the main race because they were not really there for the horse racing but the festivities and there's a huge market for them with an expected 150 million rand cash injection expected to boost the local economy that side and uh, so we will look at all things Deben July this evening on the show but also today the PSL met to discuss the way forward after the latest damaging ruling in that IX and 10-9 Doro saga that ordered uh, IX to be reinstated back into 15th place and we'll hear from the PSL chairman Dr. Evan Koza but before all of that let's go over to Wimbledon to get the latest from the day's action and it is Simon Kempis who joins us on the line. Good evening Simon how has day four been so far? Well it's been a good day it's been a good day for Rafa Nadal certainly uh, through in straight sets through to the third round um, but the top half of the draw well it's been blown apart really because uh, Marin Cilic who's the runner up last year to Roger Federer has gone he is beaten in five sets uh, by Guido Peya of Argentina which was a real shock. A lot of people thought Cilic would have a good chance of winning the title this year, but he's no longer in the draw, so that's not going to happen. But also on court right now, we've got Juan Martín del Potro, who is looking very good. Two sets up against Feliciano López and one love in the fourth set. Other than those men, of course, Kevin Anderson went through early on in that match that was held over. Novak Djokovic looked very impressive too. He had a little bit of a slight scare with his left thigh, had a, an injury timeout. We'll have to hear a little bit more about how that is going forward, but uh, other people go through. Nick Kyrgios, an early winner. Ash Barty on the women's side. Uh, Dominika Sibulkova taking out last year's semi-finalist, Joanna Conta. And the women's number one, Simona Halep, flicking a switch, really, from 5-3 down in the first set against Sai Sai Sheng of China. So she is through to the third round. Great stuff. Thank you very much, Simon Akambas. Our eyes and ears at the Wimbledon Championships as well as Chris Bowers, of course, will cross over to them uh, throughout the two weeks of the championships. From Wimbledon, we come back home. I mentioned that the PSL met today. Um, they did indicate as early as Monday when that ruling came out that reinstated Ajax to 15th place that they would meet on Thursday. They asked the media to give them some time until they meet today to discuss their way forward and uh, there was then that meeting today. There was no official press conference but as you would expect the media was there. Uh, guys hung around the whole day waiting for uh, something from the chairman Dr. Evan Koza and eventually emerged just before 6 and this is what he had to say about the Ajax Cape Town and Tendai Ndoro saga. Once we have not convened any press conference, but you are aware that uh, the matter that is uh, 
in discussion in the greater part of the country, uh, the Ajax uh, Ndoro PSL matter uh, is of public interest, especially after the judgment, you know, that is now a public knowledge. Uh, we did indicate to the media houses that the matter would be served before the executive committee, and the which matter uh, took the greater part of the day uh, of the agenda uh, to arrive at a decision. Uh, it is not an easy matter because uh, it's too much uh, legalese, uh, but also uh, issues of football that we must take into account, and uh, issues of uh, stakeholders, stakeholders being you know the sponsors, the broadcasters, the supporters, you know, the country at large, you know, and the SAFA, the mother body, and FIFA, uh, because this matter has been on the conveyor belt for some time now. Uh, where you know there are different views as to what is the actual you know a solution in this matter. Now faced with the judgment, you know, which you know gives us an, a directive to say that uh, uh, this matters must be referred to the uh, FIFA Player Status Committee. Uh, we should indicate that you know uh, when the matter started the first time, uh, when we got to be aware as the league on this matter. Uh, one of our clubs, you know, was faced with the same problem. Uh, to say there is an opportunity for them to register a player, and the player's name is Manyama. Uh, then, unfortunately, the advice was that uh, uh, it cannot, you know, be registered uh, because, you know, uh, the rules, you know, afford you uh, to register, you know. Uh, uh, for three teams, you know, in a season, but you only pay for two. But at that time, you know, Ndoro uh, was already registered, you know, with a particular team. Now, the unfortunate part is that, you know, uh, our rules are specific. And it's not the responsibility of the league, you know, to, to, to tell you. I mean, everybody's got that obligation uh, to read the rules. If you're not sure, check with the league. And when you give, you know, the clearance or the, the, the playing card, uh, the playing card is not, you know, the right to play. The playing card, you know, is to say that the player is registered. Especially if there is that provision in the rules that indicates that you can only play for, for two clubs in the season. But the rest is history because the matter had to go to court, it go to arbitration, went back to court. Where we are with the judgment is that, you know, the matter must be directed to FIFA. And uh, for the record, it's important that, you know, uh, we did write to FIFA at either stage. And I gave a ruling on this matter. Uh, again, you know, uh, we wrote again to FIFA. They gave the second ruling that, you know, uh, the matter must be referred, you know, to the DC of the national, you know, uh, what's called, you know, uh, body in the country, uh, which, you know, we did. But again, you know, sitting with this kind of uh, decision now, it makes us to ponder as to what are the options available to us as a league. If you consider the matter, you know, the, this today, we arrive at a position uh, that, you know, uh, the judgment, you know, uh, that, you know, was handed down uh, must be appealed. Uh, the facts and the details must be referred to the Board of Governors, which is convened for Thursday next week, uh, for them to ratify what we've considered are the reasons why we're appealing. 
as for the indulgence of the media and the public that until the Porto governors were the stakeholders were the main shareholders of the business. It gives an opportunity to evaluate the reasons that you have advanced as to why we are not opting for the option of the uh, directive as you know prescribed in the judgment but deciding to appeal the matter. So it's only on Thursday after giving the reasons to the Board of Governors will release the reasons you know, to the greater part of uh, the stakeholders, you know, that is the country, the sponsors, you know, SAFA, uh, the supporters, and everybody affected, you know, uh, by this decision. So there you have it. Then basically what uh, the chairman of the PSL, Dr. Evan Koza, is saying is that uh, the PSL executive committee has decided to seek leave to appeal this judgment, which was handed down on Monday by Judge Denise Fisher at the South Gauteng High Court, which reinstated Ajax back into 15th place and basically declared the playoffs null and void. Remember, the playoffs were won by Black Leopards and that leaves them in limbo now. Um, but uh, we did put a call through to Black Leopards as SEPC sport and they did say as far as they are concerned, they are in the APSA Premiership and they're preparing for their first game of the APSA Premiership because they've already uh, got the fixtures. It also causes a mess in the top eight because you'll remember that Amazulu went down, Supersport went up after uh, the other teams were given those points that were taken from Ike's Cape Town. So there are also many other interested spectators here. And um, the PSL chairman, Dr. Evan Corsa, basically saying that they're going to uh, give the reasons of why they want to appeal to the Board of Governors next week, Thursday. And then after that is when they can be able to speak to the media or when they can be able to give us uh, their reasons of why they've decided to appeal. So they've not, um, they're not going the FIFA route, which is what the judge had said, Dennis Fisher, that this matter needs to be decided by the FIFA Player Status Committee. The PSL is appealing uh, at that, that ruling instead of going straight uh, to FIFA uh, to have uh, basically finality on this matter. So it looks like it might drag on a bit longer, but uh, Dr. Evan Koza did also say today that they are treating it as um, as a matter, as an urgent matter, and they hope that it gets resolved very quickly. They don't want it to affect the start of the league, which is about a month away. Up next, we talk all things Deb in July. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. So then let's look at the Vodacom Deben July. And before we get into the horse racing side of things and the betting side of things, I'd like us to look at the business side of the Vodacom Deben July. And we joined on the line uh, by Deben's Tourism Senior Marketing and Communications Manager, Subu Zondi. Good evening and thank you for joining us on SAFM. Good evening and good evening to the listeners. Mr. Zondi, firstly, how many visitors are you expecting this year? No, a lot of people that I know have already gone uh, to to Durban. Uh, how many are you expecting in 2018? This year we expecting we expecting over 50,000 people to 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 come to Durban for the weekend uh, of Vodacom Durban July. And where does the Vodacom Durban July rank mm. in your list of major events as a city? Vodacom Devon July comes in as uh, one of the top five events that we pride ourselves as a city of Devon. It comes in at a time when uh, everyone is crying winter. As I speak to you, I'm actually standing outside on the beach and I'm in my shorts and I'm, I'm, I'm having fun at uh, one of our key products, Ushara Marin. So um, the Vodacom Devon July is key in ensuring that during winter we're able to, to attract visitors from all over the country. And we are hosting visitors from all over Africa and the world to come and see what Deben has got to offer, to come and experience the Vodacom Deben July weekend. 
I'm also informed that you want to position it on the same level as other international events like the Kentucky Derby at the Dubai Cup. Is that how big the Devon Vodacom Devon July has become? It's, yes, Devon July, it's, it's Africa's biggest horse racing event. So by default, it forces us to reposition it as one of the global events, the major events in the African sporting uh, fraternity. It's one of the key events that um, is able to attract visitors globally. Yes, we are well in, within our plans and our programs to ensure that we are able to receive the, the, the visitors globally, but also we are able to, to, to showcase the city and, and to say this is what Deben is all about. Mm, talking about global visitors, uh, the new direct flight from London to Deben has been added recently. I'm sure you're hoping this will give the Deben July a huge international boost. Yes, uh, certainly. You know, we, we are well in our plans and preparations for our inaugural flight from Heathrow directly to Devon. Um, among the key things that you're likely to see going forward is that is how we position and how we market the destination. As you know, that Heathrow is gateway into Europe and also it's a gateway to the Western, um, 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 uh, to the Western Europe side and to the West being the U.S., we, we stand ready to ensure that the visitors from all over the world are able to connect directly to Durban via Heathrow. But also the beauty with the city of Durban is within two hours, you can access everything with, from Durban. You can fly directly to other destinations in Africa within two-hour flights from, from, from King Shara. So if you look at uh, the, the traffic that one is, is expecting to come out of this flight from London, we, we stand ready to ensure that some of our events are repositioned to talk to the global market. Mm. And this 50,000 people that you're expecting, how much are you expecting them to inject into the economy this weekend and in the days leading up to the Devon July? You know, um, we're estimating a contribution of almost 130 million rands to be injected into the GDP of Echequini. If you look at when we started with the Vodacom Devon July, we started our activities last weekend and our, our last weekend being the 30th of June with festivities around the city of Devon. And that continues with a number of events that are taking place on the sidelines to ensure that our visitors are, are entertained, to ensure that the city is, re- is, is more than ready, but is already hosting. The good part with the spin-offs, uh, especially the economic side of, water, of hosting Vodacom in July, our hotels are operating at capacity at the moment. Mm-hmm. So if you did not book your venue, Definitely, you're not like you are unlikely to get accommodation right now, and the flights are fully booked. So, for the city of Devon to host such an event, and you look at the typical economic uh, spin-offs and the economic benefits, we we estimating a direct uh, spend close to about 90 million rands, with uh, almost 130 million towards the GDP of the city. Mm. And and where does this money go? Is it hotels, like you say, they're fully booked? Is it entertainment? You know, <clears throat> For, for what we've been doing, the Vodacom Devon July experience, we, we, we've got activities and side events that are taking place not only in central Devon. We've got some that are taking place in, um, in the townships. Yes. Uh, some are taking place in the far remote areas from Richards Bay to Pichamaritzbeck to Zimbabwe and so forth. The reason we do this is we want to increase the dispersal. We want to make sure that the business flows uh, do take place not only in central Devon but in other cities around the city. We want to make sure that when people book accommodation, say in Zimbabwe, in Umlaz, in Pichamarisbeck, people are able to spend money to stay there, but also are able to commute. And we all know that when you have visitors, you, 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 you hire more people. So we estimate quite a, uh, over 4,000 people that would likely to get jobs 
in the hospitality just for this weekend alone, uh, which, which is quite good for the economy. I'm glad you touched on that because I was about to say that what I've seen with the uh, July over the years is that a lot of these events happen in the townships in the week leading up to, yeah. the, to the main event. And it must also yes. be a huge boost for township economy. Yes, yes, yes. You know, over the years, we've seen how our townships are becoming the economic hub. You know, not only just the Shifanyamas, not yes. only just the lifestyle uh, 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 establishments, but we're talking accommodation, we're talking the experiences, we're talking the direct tourism products that we are able to offer our visitors. We find that some of the visitors that are coming through to our city, some opt to stay in the townships, some opt to stay in, in, in the remote um, uh, 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 houses where they, uh, they would use your Airbnbs to find accommodations where they feel welcome and where they feel they're at home. And that's the beauty of Durban, that whenever you come to our city, you are more than welcome. We are welcome with warmth because our people, they treat you with respect and they, they, they are friendly. And, and that's what we pride being Durban. And what about betting? I mean, it's a huge part of the Durban July. How much, I, much, how much cash injection are you expecting from this market? A lot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's a lot? It, 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 it's a lot. Uh, I can't give you the exact figure yeah. at the moment to say this is how much it, when it comes to betting. Because from where I'm looking at, I'm looking at uh, from a tourism perspective. Mm. But from the betting side, it would be improper for me to give a figure to that. But I understand that we, it's very lucrative and it attracts quite a number of people to participate. But of course, we, we, we always say that when you gamble, gamble with responsibility. Mm. And are you able to give us a maybe a breakdown of what the average person spends during the day in July? What's the average spend? <laughs> An average spend, you know, it depends. It depends on the packages that are up in the market. And we know that it's a peak season, and in the peak season, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the hotels are, are charging quite fair prices. The, the, the packages that um, we have in hospitalities, I don't want to go into which mm. marquee is selling a ticket at what price. Mm. But, you know, on average, you would be looking per person, say, 9,000 rands uh, mm. to get an experience to come to Devon. Mm. If you take into account the package to, to access the Greyville and to get your accommodation in. And, and finally, you, you seem to have attracted a new market for the Vodacom Deb in July. As I said earlier, I know people who go there, they go to the races, but they don't know who win, but they've enjoyed the whole weekend. And this seems like a new, a, a new market. How crucial is this market? This is a market that we've been coming for over the years. This is a market that we, we are responding to by ensuring that the city provides the best entertainment, by ensuring that the city has multiple events that cater for this particular market. I would make an example. You get events that are taking place in Zimbabwe. Mm. You've got events that are taking place in the townships. We've been working hard to say, let us cater for this particular segment because most of the guys that want to do, you want to come out, you want to experience what Devon has got to offer. The beauty with our city is the weather. We've got the fantastic weather at the moment. And anyone who's in Jobe, Cape Town, who's feeling freezing at the moment, the best place to be this weekend is Devon. And we want to cater for this market. Well, Mr. Spuzundi, we wish you all the best this weekend. I know people are already there. One of our sister radio stations, Metro FM, has gone big on the Deb in July. They've been having a, they had a convoy all the way to Deb, and it looks like everybody's having fun. And we wish, we hope that everything goes well this weekend. Thank you very much. We we, we are delighted to host your uh, the sister station, uh, Radio 2000. We have dinner with them at the moment. Oh, and, lovely. Uh, Metro FM, we have supper uh, with them. So we, we, we welcome the entire CDC to be part of the Vodacom Devon experience. Okay, great stuff. We'll be there next year then, Mr. Zondi. Thank you very much. <laughs> Enjoy the weekend. We'll look-
forward to hosting you next year. Thank you. And, and, sh- to, and, and to showcase when we say Durban has more, what do we mean? Start by sharing some of the weather with us and then we'll think about coming next year. <laughs> Thank you very much. Call Tabiso now, 0891-104-207. Well, we continue talking about the Vodacom Deb in July, and uh, we've had the business side of it, and it sounds like they know exactly what they're doing. There are lots of activities happening uh, this weekend in Deben and also in the week leading up. I mean, they really, really go big on this Deb in July. But for many of our sporting fans, the Deb in July is actually about the horse racing, believe it or not. It's about the main race that takes place on a Saturday, and we want to have a closer look at the field now, and it also gives us an opportunity. It also gives us an opportunity as our guests take their seats and settle, it gives us an opportunity to also look at the state of horse racing um, in the country. Is it still alive? Is it dying? And also horse racing betting. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about the rise of sports betting in South Africa. So many people are betting on football. It is unbelievable and the different markets that are on offer. But has that affected horse racing betting or is it good for horse racing betting? And in studio with us, we've got from Bet Exchange, Craig Piper, as well as uh, Given Nguna. Good evening, gentlemen, and thank you for joining us. Evening. Craig, I uh, will start with you looking at the horse racing. How, how are the books looking ahead of Saturday? Are the bets coming in as you expect? Yeah, the Durban July every year is extremely busy. Um, you know, it's, it's the most prestigious horse race in the country. In fact, you have to win other bigger races to qualify for this race. Even the stakes uh, for the race, the mm-hmm. winner will get 4.2 million rand for mm-hmm. winning the race and second two two and a half million. So, <clears throat> because it's the best of the best running in this race, it, it, it attracts a lot of interest and they turn it into quite a big show as well. Yeah, as we heard from um, the tourism case at end. But what are the betting patterns for an event like Deb in July? The, the betting patterns, they, they start a few months back because oh. more than, there's only 20 runners that qualify to run in the race. Um, some are automatically achieve qualifications and then mm-hmm. others will make the final field so uh, you could say some uh, in, in excess of about 100 horses will be selected we're betting already then um, the races are priced up mm. and that causes a lot of interest because the value is in backing the horses at the bigger prices before they make the final field Ah, so so you get a lot of the anti-post betting for an event like this yeah there is a lot of anti-post betting in fact the favourite um, which is African Sky? They saying uh, yes. African Sky was yeah. actually ten to one uh, six weeks ago, and when it did make the final field, it's now coming to about five to two, Ooh. three to one. Ooh. So 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 because you get a lot of anti-post betting, do you find that people mix their bets with other sports, especially with the World Cup happening? Do you get a lot of that? Yes, quite a lot. Um, like I said, the horse racing because of the betting, um, it actually has been boosted by the boost in sports betting. So a lot of the customers will take uh, multiple bets between horse racing and sports betting. Um, And like you said, with the World Cup around, Mm. which is actually uh, the biggest show in the world, that that has taken center stage uh, for us. Um, Even the Tour de France have moved a week forward because of the Soccer World Cup. Even Formula One is having three races on three consecutive weekends because of the World Cup. Yeah. And, and what do punters look at when they place a bet on an event like this? I mean, what do you look at at a horse? History, form, who's riding it, who's the owner, who's the trainer? What do they look at? 
Yeah, you get two types of punters when it comes to the Durban July. Bearing in mind, it's, there's actually quite a few big races on the Durban July. It's not the Durban yes. July itself. In fact, there's 12 races starting from 11 in the morning right through until 8 in the evening. So um, you get your... You get your um, your punter that has been punting his his whole life. He he would take the form book, study it, would actually um, look for the value in the race. To him, it would actually just be another race. Where the Durban July is special is now <coughs> your average man in the street, especially with it being televised, would now have probably his only bet in in the year when it comes to horse racing uh, because of the Durban July, and. Based on that, where now there's uh, multiples of people betting, uh, we do actually turn over quite a lot in, in that race. And, and do you go out of your way as, as, as bet exchange to make uh, bets suitable to these to this ones that will come for the Deb in July? Or is it always traditional, uh, the kind of betting that goes on every year? Um, we do go out of our way. It, it, like I said, because it's the biggest horse race in the country, um, there's a lot of advertising around it. And the race itself attracts a lot of actually attracts a lot of new punters that become regular punters mm. because of the Durban July. And let's look at the field. We've already spoken about African skies trained by Justin Snate, the four year old, looks to be their clear favorite to set five to two. Um how's the form leading up to the race? And and, and why is African Sky the favorite? Um it'll be based on form. Mm. Um it's it's a it's a the race itself is a handicap so people do look and uh, look for the for the value in the race. And like I said, six weeks ago, the horse was 10 to 1. So weight of money and because oh. it made the final field has brought the horse into 3 to 1. But looking at the betting this year, it looks like the whole field has a chance. Yes. Uh, a lot of the years I've seen horses in at 100 to 1, 200 to 1, which have absolutely no chance. Not mm. to say that they don't have a chance. But this year, the biggest price you can get on a horse is 40 to 1. Um so this year looks competitive, and also bearing in mind uh, that Jeffrey Lloyd it'll probably be his last Durban July, and mm-hmm. he's never won one before. Oh. So. And how important is that? Because with African Sky, they were saying it's likely to be ridden by Anton Marcus, a four-time Durban July champion. And is that a big consideration when somebody places a bet? It is because uh, the, the you have to have a skillful jockey, and obviously this this race has. The, the best jockeys riding in the race. You wouldn't have any apprentices um, usually riding in a race like this. So it wouldn't just be the ability of the horse, but also the skill of the jockey. Sometimes it, it gets horse over the line. What about Pierre Stradom? I'm told he's riding. I think it's Abashiri, the horse that is riding. Can you ever ride him off, striker? No, never. And Mike DeCock has also got a horse there, Yakin, like about 25 or 28 to 1, another one that you can't write off. Do we know anything about this horse? Um, like I said, it's it's a race where you have to qualify to get in. So yeah. the field itself has got quality in every single runner. So every horse does have a chance to win. Um, and uh, <clears throat> because it's, it is a race where you have to qualify and, yeah. and your form has to be good, uh, this year, it's open. Yeah, I've also heard about White River. I've heard about Majestic Mambo. What are their prices there? Um, White River's in at ten to one. Oh, okay. Majestic Mambo. Okay, it's twelve to one. Ten uh, and twelve to one. With yeah. a stretch, how much can I get at Bet Exchange? 
Of 10 to 1, you get 12 to 1, and 12 to 1, you get 14 to 1. Ah, Craig, come on, Craig. <laughs> no 15 to 1, no 16 to 1. And uh, now it gives us a chance, as I mentioned earlier on, um, Craig, just to talk about the state of horse racing in the country. As a sport, I mean, with so much happening, so much being shown on TV, um, is horse racing still surviving as a sport? Is it still popular? Yeah, you must remember that sports betting was only legalized in South Africa back in 1995. Mm-hmm. So it's actually sports betting is a lot younger than horse race betting, which has been been legal now. Uh, you're looking at decades. Yeah. So I wouldn't. It would seem like horse race, horse racing, and uh, gambling in horse racing is in, is dying. But in fact, sports betting has boomed mm-hmm. since 1994. Um, the majority of the population are now also interested in sports betting. Um, especially with soccer being so popular, it, it over, yeah. overwhelms uh, horse racing in a way. And then also the, the frequency of sports betting compared to horse racing. Um, and that's where your in- interests lie. Mm. So horse racing to me, I would say, has increased because of sports betting. Because it's it's allowed a gambler to look at, at horse racing uh, as well because he's a gambler. Is it? Yeah, so it's basically the same punter that plays both. They do not ah. not all of them, yeah. But very, but sports betting, numbers betting is also very big, and I'd say all, all all types of gambling would go hand in hand. So we do offer all three to the customer. But given we've brought given in, yeah, he's uh, he's he can actually inform you a lot about how the boom of sports betting. We're gonna talk to him. We, we're gonna talk to him shortly. How often does ho- ho- um, how often do, do the races happen as far as horse racing is concerned? I remember back in the day there was a, a day race and maybe twice or three times a week there'd be a night race. How often now? And and what kind of horse racing betting do you offer? Is it local, international, and all of it? Yeah. So back in the day, you're hundred percent right. There was there was maybe horse racing on a Wednesday. Yeah. And then a Saturday. At the moment, there's there's horse racing around the clock, Monday to Sunday. From Australia straight through to the US, so you're looking at probably a maybe a two or three hour break in a 24 hour period. Um, and obviously, with the internet now taking over, yes. you don't need a TV to watch the races. You can actually stream them whenever you want, how you want. Um, and you don't need to come in physically to place your bet now. No, not at all. You you can place your bet on your on your phone over the internet. It's uh, it's. It's it's user friendly. As far as bet types are concerned, it's obviously the the main bet is for the horse to win. Mm-hmm. But we do offer a lot of exotics for your horse to run a place mm-hmm. from two places through to six places. And then there's the the pool bets. You can mm-hmm. take swingers, trifectas, pick sixes, jackpots. Yes. Those are quite lucrative because the pools are big and you can win <coughs> quite a lot of money for a small outlay. And and the industry, the horse racing industry, has it had to be innovative and come up with new races or new ways to maintain interest, or can you still rely on the traditional way of of, of, of horse racing and horse racing betting? I'd say that the the international exposure now that we we see their races on on the television has has created a lot of interest. Um, like you, uh, I heard you say earlier, the Dubai World Cup yes. um, in America that. The um, the Grand Kentucky. Nas- the Kentucky Derby, the Grand National in the UK, Australia's got an equivalent big race. So I'd say horse racing is horse racing, and not only that, the South African jockeys. It looks like our academies produce the best of the best. Mm. A lot of them do go over there. Mm. They they compete. They they win the championships over there. 
often they would have jockey championships on a race day, yeah, and the, and the South Africans most of the time come on top. Mm. We've seen a, a, a lot of black uh, jockeys coming through. I mean, everybody knows about Smanga Kumalo, I'm sure. But what about ownership? How is it as far as ownership is concerned? Is it inclusive? Is it still the way it was before? I mean, are black people getting interested in owning horses and all sorts? Yeah, from an ownership perspective, <coughs> I, don't, I don't have much knowledge on it. Um, my opinion is that is that it's expensive to own horses. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's training fees. Um, you're dealing with a physical animal that can get injured, and then there's vet fees in, involved. So I'd say for the average man in the street, it's it's, it's not really affordable. Mm. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to Craig Piper from Bad Exchange. We also have given Nguna also uh, with us in studio, and we're just trying to understand. Well, we're talking about the Deb in July. We're looking at the betting. We looked a bit on the field, uh, on, on uh, at the odds, but we're also trying to understand the state of horse racing at the moment in the country, as well as uh, horse racing betting. Is it still surviving? It seems like it is surviving from what Craig um, is saying, because I, I see so many people with soccer betting slips. I never hear them talk about horse racing. Actually, the other day we went to your... Uh, um, headquarters with our producer just to make sure we have an understanding of what we're talking about and every second there was somebody coming you know going out placing a bet and also playing on lotto it is so unbelievably popular it has risen so much that i am shocked at how many people are now involved in enjoying sports betting and we're going to find out what how how, it, how it's been uh, during the world cup i'm sure you guys are smiling all the way uh, to the bank because i've seen a lot of people saying they're losing money during this world cup we'll talk about that after the break if you want to join the conversation zero eight Nine one one zero four two zero seven SMS four zero nine three eight WhatsApp zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. The talking point with Bongi Kuala nine a.m. to midday. Let's have the conversation. Oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. And we're still talking uh, betting. We're talking horse racing betting. We are talking all things betting, actually, because I want to find out. I've seen so many people. There's something called football Twitter, where uh, the football fanatics just have their own community that they tweet about. I mean, that they that, that, that they tweet to. And during the World Cup, a lot of them are saying they're losing money. Given Nguna, how has the World Cup been for bet exchange? <laughs> because uh, the results have been unpredictable. Yes, of course. Um this World Cup has been very uh, exciting uh, for customers. I know the impression created is that most people are losing or uh, everybody else is not winning. But uh, I beg to differ. Mostly you've got uh, two types of uh, panthers. There's a panther that goes with 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 a big favorite and there's always a panther who sees what nobody else is seeing. So when Germany plays a draw, there's always someone who saw that draw, someone who believed that Oh well, they are not good enough, and they they will draw. And you've had few winners that have won so much. Mm. And are there spe- any specific patterns there uh, that you see that people are betting on during this World Cup? Because I heard another guy saying he can't predict the result, but he can predict who's leading at halftime or who's winning at full time. Of course, uh, you have had it. It will depend on how strong a team is. Like if you look at Uruguay with uh, with strike force of uh, 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 Luis Suarez and then uh, and Cavani, so you'll have people that will take over 1.5. That's two goals in the first half, because you you believe that uh, they, they will win and they are so good they are able to score goals and that pays a lot of money. So people have have, have, have been uh, taking bets on other bet types that uh, companies like Bet Exchange are, are offering. 
I see people also take bets on yellow cards and how many yellow cards. Is that a popular bet? Yes. Is that yes. lucrative? Yes, of course. Um, you will be able to know if a team is disciplined, if they are able to uh, get themselves too much yellow cards or they are not able to get many yellow cards. So you can play over 4.5 of yellow cards in a match, whether you can choose a specific team or you can choose total uh, yellow cards in a match. So people have been, if you look at the fact that a lot of big teams have been disappointing, people were still winning in a sense. They will take other options other than winning the match straight in those matches. And they've made a lot of money out of those markets. But I'm sure you've made a lot of money with Germany being knocked out in the group stages. I will say it has been a win-win for both. Uh, There are people that will come in and, and, and predict that a team like Germany won't make it. I mean, you have to offer big odds for that. And sometimes you think it won't happen and boom, it happens and someone else comes and takes all that money. So I think it has been a win-win for for everybody in this World Cup. Out of interest, what's the biggest you've paid out? Not necessarily at the World Cup, but what what are some of the biggest winning bets that you've paid out? Uh, There was someone who won, I think it was over uh, $2 million. And they, no they they place the bet for less than ten rand. Yes, no uh, we 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 How's have. How is that possible? I mean, it's what we're talking about now. Where you take odds that everybody else is like taking a route that nobody is willing to travel. When everybody says the favorite is going to win, now you oppose that and say, no, Germany won't win. Germany will be knocked out in the first round. That pays a lot of money, and it seems impossible. And before you know it, you're celebrating all the way to the bank. As Now, the, the difference is everybody else will be complaining that we're losing, but there's always two guys that will steal all that money for themselves. And How many months do you take to pay them their two million? Uh, the, 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 the great thing is we, we pay straight away. Even two million? Yes, we pay straight away. Uh, yeah. the, 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 one of the greatest things about us is that, and that has made us popular with customers, is that you never struggle to get your money once you have won. You, you might struggle to predict the winner, but once you have predicted the win, and then you know your money is in the bank. Wow. Okay. Well, back to the horse racing. Um, we've got a horse scientist with us on the line here. Kabelo Onkwane He's keen to comment about the blacks in the sport. Kabelo, good evening. And thank you very much for joining us on SAFM. How's it, Mr. Tavisa? I'm fine. Thank you. Firstly, what does a horse scientist do? <laughs> hey, there's a whole lot of things. Eh? <laughs> anyway, basically, myself, I do a whole lot of things. But then also, I just do a whole lot of things from the welfare side to the... That side, the primary health, all those kind of things, yeah. And how did you get? Where? Just, just give us a background of where you're from and how you got into in, in, into horse racing and how you, or, or into horses and how you're a horse scientist. I don't want to stereotype you and say I'm asking you because you're black, <laughs> but actually I am. Um, I'm from Lekonyan. I was born in Britain, but uh, yeah, I was in Kujeriko, yeah, so in Britain, next to Lekonyan. And uh, from a young age, of my tender age of around uh, nine, young boys from Lokonyan riding to people's donkeys. But then I was watching Rossman's July, the then Rossman's July yeah. on that black, uh, black and white TV, battery-operated TV. And, you know, to, me, to us it was being naughty, but then to me I saw it something else. And, yeah, when I went to tertiary, I went to study equine science, equine meaning horse, donkey, and mule. And yeah, that's how I started doing. And I started working at the Honest Airport Veterinary Clinic. And I went to SPCA. Then also, I, fell, I was already in love with horse racing. Then I, I would come to Devon July, all these kind of things. But then that's when I got into horse racing back in 2012. And yeah, 
uh, here I am now and look at myself and I'm in Devon currently uh, doing some work here. And what kind of work are you doing now? Excuse us, we only go uh, to the Devon July for the festivities, but you clearly go uh, for the right things. What kind of work are you doing now? I'm doing three things currently. Now we are busy with the horse sale and auction, which took place from today and tomorrow. We are selling 280 horses at the Sibaya Casino. And uh, I work for this other radio station. I can't mention the name. I also do horse racing on it on Sundays. Host horse racing on Sundays. So I'll be hosting, I'll be having a show on Friday, helping people with the dating, giving tips and all those kind of things. And Saturday I'll be broadcasting from Graver Race Course. And on Sunday, I'll do my show again on uh, uh, around here in Durban. And again, I work for. I also do some work for the TBA, the Thoroughbred Breeders Association of South Africa, where we are bringing black people into horse racing, uh, uh, trying to promote the South African bred horses, doing great in overseas or locally. So I'm here with three things currently, and also the fourth one is having fun. <laughs> okay, let's let's let let's pick it up from the first one with the auction. How many horses are you hoping to sell? Is there a target? How does it work? Do people come and they bid? Uh, do they have they already identified the horses? Where do the horses come from? Yes, uh, the company is Black Ox South Africa. So what we do is we uh, have a catalog where we advertise them, and then the catalog will be out three months prior or two months prior to the sale. And then we have 280 horses. Today, horses that were supposed to show, that were sold were 150 horses. So from 12 o'clock till the last horse, which we ended up today at 20 past four, and we sold all those 150 horses. We had few that were withdrawn for certain reasons, medical reasons. And tomorrow we are selling 130 horses also. So the message has been out there through their media, social media pages and all those kind of things and their website. Are these race horses? Yes, they are race horses. All of them that you are selling? Yes. And I also want to ask you now, you're saying you have a particular in, in interest on getting black people into the sport. I want to ask you about that, but I just want to take a quick break. And anybody, if you want to join in the conversation, please feel free to call us on 891 SMS line 40938 or our WhatsApp number 0614104107. This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Okay, we're still talking Deb in July and we've got Cabello on the line. He was telling us about what he does as a horse scientist and why he's in Devon now and he's selling horses. Uh, Cabello, just give us an idea. How much do the horses go for? Um, Like I said, it's an auction, so it will depend on the highest bidder. And in April, the sale we had in April, the, the current record holding horses went for 5.3 million at the national national yelling sale in Jobek. So it depends on the highest bidder. If you have a lot of uh, billionaires bidding for the horse, obviously it will go high. Mm. And it, 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 it obviously also the confirmation and the pedigree. I'm, when I'm talking about confirmation, I'm talking about how it's built because there's a certain type of... I mean, even you as a human being, you know a person with those Kate knees, we call them Kisma doll. I mean, you can't run the person... You, have, you can't outrun the person who's having nice legs, obviously, you know. Mm. So we look at those kind of things. And then the pedigree, meaning the family line. I mean, if you have a horse like Louis the King as a stallion, obviously it will pass on the good genes. Remember, speed is 70% hereditable from the parent, obviously. Mm. So, yeah, it will depend on the confirmation, the pedigree, and obviously the bidders, people bidding. So it, it varies. I can't say the highest horse is this. It will depend on the sale itself, how many people have bid on the horse. But 
like I said, the highest horse went for 5.3 million. Yeah. How much was horse chestnut? A big pardon? How much was horse chestnut? Um, horse chestnut, it was, that's, it was bought back in, it was in 1980s. It yeah. was back in 1980s. So I think it was went for less than 10,000, but it went to make so many millions overseas in USA and all that. Yeah, so, but it, it, causes the whole, very, it was very, very cheap. But then because of horses going overseas and everything, yeah, it was less than 10,000, though. Yeah. Now tell us, you say you've got a particular interest in, in getting black people involved in, in horses. Uh, why is that and what are you trying to achieve? Uh, at TBA, we, 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 we came to a point whereby, okay, for now, we're doing transformation also. So, for example, we had a, 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 a groom's protest two weeks back where a race was cancelled. Even last yesterday, there was a protest here in Deben. So, you know, we had a, a feeling that black people are not that involved, especially, for example, uh, in the training centers where they just hold horses for white people. Now, that's when we started transforming there. And again, we transform it again on the people coming down to Deben, July, GNB met. Because a lot of our, our brothers and sisters, they just come to Devon during the Devon July. Whereas we're trying to give them that feeling of, guys, please get involved with horse racing. It's it's a sport, yes. It's also more, you can call it some more like an investment also. So uh, black people are not that involved in the racing. And now we look back and say, but then this industry impressed so many black people from the breeding centers, from the start farms, at the farms where a lot of black people are employed. And you get to the training centers where they are employed as grooms, they brush those horses. And to the betting side, I, I hear you talking to the betting people mm. there. And I mean, they, they employ so many people at the toads where people are betting, you know. So we try to get people involved. They don't have to be spectators anymore, they have to be involved, you know. Is it affordable? It depends. Because now we have this uh, uh, program that we run in where we. We call a syndicate. The syndicate is a group of people coming together to own shares or a whole horse themselves. You know, that's when it becomes mm. more affordable. Where they, maybe ten of you own a horse, which costs about, for example, it costs about eighty thousand. Then to, to pay a trainer like Mike Dikokoshon Terry, when you come together, you'll each pay lesser compared to when you are alone. So it has become affordable to black people because now the middle class. We have so many people as middle class. The middle class can afford it. Mm. And there's a return on investment? Yes, of course. I mean, you were talking about Louis the King. It was sold back in the sale in 2011 for 40000 It went to make, It went on to make 12 million rand. So, you understand? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks, no, no, I do understand, Cabello. Enjoy the day in July. Thank you very much for joining us and educating us here on SAFM. I'm sure we're going to bring you on again just to find out more about the work that you are doing and how much interest there is. But thank you for finding time to speak to us. I know you're a busy man. Thanks, Mr. Kabisa. Thanks thank, a lot. Thank, thank you, Kabelo uh, who is in Deben at the moment, is a horse scientist, believe it or not. Craig Piper is still here with us from Bed Exchange. We're getting to the business end of it now. We want tips, Craig. People are tweeting me. They're saying, what tips or what betting tips would you give people for the Deben July? Do they only concentrate on the main race? Do they start betting from the first race? What would you advise? Um, I've only looked at the main race. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> as far as the main race is concerned... Um, I would look for the value number 18 uh, secret potion at 40 to 1 we also uh, being involved in the horse racing you also get sometimes you get some inside information and we uh-huh. we did hear that the horse has been working very well this week what's that horse again? secret potion secret potion how important is the draw of the horse where you are drawn for a race like this? 
Um, it depends on the course. So when it comes to gravel, very important because they you can't be drawn too close to the bend and you don't want to be drawn far out because you've got to cover more ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and, bef- and before you know it, uh, 400 meters to go, it turns into a sprint. Uh, you don't want to be boxed in on that rail or come too wide. There's a lot more work to be done. That's where, like I said earlier, the, the skill of the jockey is very important. And do you advise people to to start betting now or wait closer to, to race day? Will the odds improve or will they shorten? How does it work? Um, horse racing betting would, would generally stay the same until the horses actually go down to the start where the people can actually see the conditioning of the horses or if anything's gone wrong from now to then. Otherwise, it, it does usually remain the same, mm-hmm. the, the, the odds. Given Gunnar, you're also here. World Cup is still happening tomorrow. If, do you have any tips to give people? They want to know if France can beat Uruguay if that match will go to penalties. Uh, I think uh, France will win this one easily, especially with Cavani not expected to make the match. I think uh, I'll go with France. And who are you? Where's the other question? Uh, let me just find it. Oh, it says, yeah, who do you think will win the World Cup with eight teams now remaining? I will put my money on England no. and, 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 here, and Russia. Get out of here. But why would you want to do that? Because from uh, when you look at the draw, um, the, the, on the other side where you've got uh, Belgium, Brazil, you've got Uruguay, you've got France, is too tight. So one of these two will definitely make it to the final. And once they're in the final, anything is possible. Unbelievable. Actually, on the first day of the World Cup, there was someone we interviewed and they said Russia will win the World Cup. And I made such a mockery of their comment. And <laughs> now they've got a couple of games left. <laughs> but surely they can't do it. No way. It is impossible. But anyway, um, thank you to everybody for joining the conversation. I see there's a lot of reaction here. Um, somebody said, I must ask Cabello, what do they do after they use after using the racehorses and their numbers, okay, I'm going to have to put you in touch with Kabelo. He's actually very active on social media, so I'm going to put you in touch with Kabelo Nguane there, and then you can ask him all of those questions. Somebody here, uh, Tadijo, saying that I didn't know so much about horse racing. I actually only know the Deb in July about what I see on social media and what people are wearing and all of that. We don't even realize that there's a race. Excuse me, it's the same comment that's shared by Valentino who says, what time is the race? Now I'm interested to watch it. I think you must just watch from the morning. I think the main race will be around three, right? What time? Is there a time there? Uh, 20 past four. Oh, 20 past four. That's it. 20 past four. That is the main race there, uh, Tadiha. Is that the race where former president Jacob Zuma took a bet and won? Was it the Deb in July? It was, eh? Yes, I remember uh, former President Jacob Zuma taking a bet and he won. He was so chuffed with himself there, the president. Uh, but anyway, yeah, let's see if I'll have the guts to take a bet on the Deb in July this weekend. I'll look for value, like Craig said, maybe a 42-1 shot. But that is it from me. Thank you very much. Up next is Mr. Ashraf Gada, the big hitter. Oh, and where do people find you, Craig? Uh, you can find us uh, online, uh, which is the easiest, at betexchange.com on your Mobi as well. And we've got a lot of retail shops, uh, mainly in Gauteng, as well as in the Western Cape, uh, Nelspreit, and the Free State. And you offer betting on everything? On everything, yes. On everything. Okay, there you have it. Up next, as I said, Mr. Ashraf Gara's big hitter, Dennis George, General Secretary of Fedusa. There'll be more sport in the morning on Sunrise with Zai Khan and Stephen Hrotes. Thank you, Luyolo. Thank you to Baba Lua. Any suggestions and ideas, always feel free to email Helen. Uh, cool chick at sport at safm.co.za. My name is Tabiso Musea.